0: So, for those of you whom i haven't met yet my name is uh blake i'm one of the pastors here at the refuge church and uh it's my joy to be able to to start off our our celebration or continue our celebration on our 14th anniversary today so um our elders we got together and, and looking at the 14th anniversary of the refuge church We decided to mix it up a little bit. And so what we're going to do is you're actually this morning, you're going to hear from all four of our elders, starting with myself, I get the pleasure of kicking us off, and we're going to actually give you a little bit of a report of the things that we've been seeing God doing in the Refuge Church over the last year. And uh, so for myself, you know, as one of the pastors of a smaller church like us, you know, we wear a lot of hats. But the primary thing that I get to oversee is our gospel community groups. And uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you some of the things that we that we have been able to see through our gospel community groups over the last year. But I know we have quite a few people here that are new to Refuge Church, and so I also wanted to take this opportunity to, whether you're hearing this for the first time or if you've been here for a while, to remind us all of why we choose to structure our church in the discipleship avenues that we do, the primary of which is gospel community groups. So the, um, the first thing, Anything we do in this church, of course, it shouldn't be just something we do because we just chose to do it. We, as a church, 14 years ago, when Scott and those other 12 families that, that Jeff spoke of earlier, the reason we do anything at this church is because of what we see in Scripture. So, if you don't have a Bible with you, by the way, if you want to raise your hand up real high, one of our blue shirts can get one in your hands uh, because I know for all four of us, we are going to be, we're of course, going to be diving into Scripture together. So, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand high. We'll get one in your hands, and, uh, and it'll be a joy to even let that be our gift to you if you don't have one at home to take with you. So, the first piece of uh, the first piece of uh, scripture that I want us to look at. and The reason being of why do we choose to organize ourselves outside of Sundays into gospel community groups can actually be found in the book of Habakkuk. So if you've been with us for a little while, we've been actually walking through uh, the, uh, the, the minor prophets. We ended just a, a few months ago, and we were able to look at this verse more closely. But in Habakkuk chapter 2, we read this, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me read that again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So way back then, the prophet Habakkuk foretold of the day that the earth will be saturated by the name of Jesus. Now, we know that that hasn't yet happened now. We live in what we call the already not yet, where we know that, all, that Jesus has come. He has saved us to himself, but we know that the world itself is still broken and marred in sin. But we know that a day is coming when Jesus will return and creation itself will also be restored back to himself. So right now, we, we're in that where we get to be saved, but the, we see the still brokenness around us. So we know that the, the prophet Habakkuk, his, his foretelling hasn't come completely true yet. So the question is, if that hasn't come to fruition yet, how is God planning on bringing that about? Well, Jesus himself gave us that very answer in the 28th chapter of Matthew, and um, Matthew records Jesus saying this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So to answer the question, how does God planning on bringing about Habakkuk's prophecy of that the whole world will be saturated in the name of Jesus? The short answer is, how are we, God, going to do this? Through us. Through us. How amazing is it that we as the church get to be part of what God is doing and restoring creation back to himself? How amazing is that? We don't have to just be watching it from afar, from the sidelines. God is asking us to get in the game, and we get to be part of what he is doing. We get to be some of the instruments that God is using to bring the gospel to people that don't know it yet, restoring people back to himself. How amazing is that we get to be a part of that work. And it's for this very reason that we have what we call gospel community groups. They're groups of missionaries sent into the parts of the city that they live to share Jesus with others, whether it be explicitly through their the conversations or through blessings and through deeds that they get to use for others, showing them the love of Christ. These are the things that our gospel community groups get to do together. So let me show you what this might look like. So right now, this is a, this is a map of, of uh, the, the suburbs of Memphis. And right now, we're all sitting in a gathering room at the Refuge Church in Lakeland, Tennessee, right? So now, but later on, at the end of the service, we're going to ask you a question that we ask you every single Sunday. What is that question? So what are you? Answer. So what are you? You're missionaries. And this room is your mission field, correct? I mean, maybe. But no, not primarily, right? This is not primarily your mission field, right? So when we say you are missionaries, what are we implying? What do we expect of you to do? To go, and that's exactly what you are going to do. After we leave today, and maybe you're going to go to the lake for a couple hours later, which I highly recommend you do. But even after that, we are going to be scattered throughout the city, as we go and be the missionaries that we say that we are going. So, in, in the nine of these groups, do that as a team together. So, here at the Refuge Church, we have nine gospel community groups currently. Uh, the, the ninth, which actually launched just a few months ago. And, um, and we go out and go and be the missionaries that we say that we are every single, uh, every single week. This is what we choose to do. And so, uh, so what we're going to do is, um, if you're not part of one of these gospel community groups, I highly recommend that you do that because it's hard to be a missionary on your own. I, 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 I want you to show me in the scripture where Jesus ever sent out one person to be a missionary. He always did it as in groups, sending them out. And, then, and, and as even the apostles were going out planting churches, he planted families and planted teams together to go out and be the church together, to be those missionaries that they expect to be. So what we've seen over this last year of these gospel community groups has been amazing. Uh, we've seen uh, people praying together, praying for one another and for people that they know, people that don't know Jesus yet. We've seen them opening the Bible together and, and learning more about the scriptures. Some people, for the first time, opening the Bible and asking questions they've never been able to ask before because they've never, it's never occurred to them because they've never been, been impacted by the gospel. We've seen uh, they've been caring and serving one another and serving the uh, neighbors around them, some of them who don't even know Jesus. They've been throwing neighborhood parties. Allowing neighbors to meet one another for the first time and allowing themselves to meet people to be able to start understanding their stories so that they can be able to actually find the ways they're able to be a blessing to them. And they've been seeing opportunities to tell others about Jesus because of some of this groundwork that the Lord has been allowing them to do, allowing them to do building up to those areas. So our GCs have never been stronger and we can't wait to see what the Lord does over this next year as our groups continue to grow. And some of them will even multiply. And some of you might even go out and create some of these new gospel community groups as you are a missionary team sent with the good news that Jesus Rescue Centers. So this is what our GCs get to do. This is what we get to be a part of. As you leave here saying that you are a missionary, this is one of the ways that we get to do it together and encourage one another together. open Scripture together, and then also bring the good news to our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, whoever it is. This is what we get to do as, uh, as members of a gospel community group. So what I'm going to do before um, us, we're going to do two more things before I hand over my time to Pastor Paul is uh, I'm going to show you who the leaders are of each one of these groups because i wanted to take this moment to recognize the hard work that our leaders have been doing in each of these gospel community groups and uh and leaders i'm going to go i am not going to apologize for putting you on the spot if you are here i'm going to ask you to stand as i say your name okay so um and i'm I'm going kind of from from uh, west to east on this so in bartlett we have sue ann and jerry sally in lakeland where is led by Stephen and jessica Stansel. Um, we have Paul and Larissa Dacus, who are um, going to overtime are leading two gospel community groups. They're leading 1825 uh, Young's groups and the, also the student leaders group. In North Arlington, we have Kyle and Jamie Chester, who, um, who have uh, just our new uh, gospel community group that launched. Okay. By the way, Jamie loves being center of attention, so everyone look at her right now. Um, GC Genesis, we have Scott and Carol Benjamin. Uh, and if, you are new to God, if you're new to a GC, your, their GC is the one that you will join first as you kind of learn what it looks like to, 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 to be in a gospel community group. In, uh, in Central Arlington, we have Todd and Crystal Jerry, co-led by myself and my wife, Sam. In the Hayes Place, we have Dawson and Catherine Stockdale. Both of them are serving in the kids right now, so I'll, we'll stand up in their place. And then lastly, we have White Oak Neighborhood, who are led by Paul and Angie McDade. So uh, can, I, can we all give them a hand real quick? I know that this makes y'all wildly uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that because you guys deserve, y'all can be seated, okay? Um, but y'all deserve the recognition for, uh, for being willing to raise your hand and to say, I'm willing to lead these groups of missionaries as we continue to baby step forward into the calling that we believe we've been called. So, um, so I wanted to thank you for that. And so lastly, what we're going to do together is you just recognize and acknowledge that yes, as a Christian, I am a missionary sent into a mission field. And so I want to close my time before I hand it over to Pastor Paul, and we're all going to pray together about what that mission might look like. And we're going to pray very, very specifically. So we're going to pray for the mission that God has called you to. So if you're not sure what that might be, that's okay, because what we're going to do is we're going to start very, very simple. I'm going to give us 30 seconds, and I want you to pray and ask the Spirit to put the name of one person on your heart. Someone that might need to hear the gospel. Someone that might not know Jesus yet. And I'm going to take 30 seconds of quiet. I want you to ask the spirit to put the name of one person on your heart. And then I'll bring us back together here in just a moment. Hopefully by now you have at least one, at least one name on your heart. If, if you're not sure, may, maybe it's a classmate, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a neighbor, a family member, a friend. Maybe it's that one person who's always sitting, standing in line at the coffee shop in front of you that you always notice but you never say hi to. Maybe it's that person. Whoever it is, ask the Spirit. Place one person's name on your heart that we can pray for, that I as a Christian, as a missionary, and maybe being placed in a position to be able to bring the good news of the gospel to them, whether through word or through deed. All right. So with this person in mind, let's play together. And I'm going to lead us through a prayer as we all pray for this person, or maybe it's a, a small group of people on your, on your heart that the Spirit has graciously given, given you eyes to see. But let me pray for us as we pray for these people that the Lord has put on all of our hearts. Lord, thank you first and foremost for choosing to bring me and us into your family. Thank you for choosing to look at a sinner like me and loving me enough to send your son to die in my place. God, thank you for allowing me to to even be part of the work that you're doing in the world. You you didn't have to do that, but you choose in your great pleasure to, to allow us to be a part of this work. So God, for, for all the names that people have on the front of their minds right now. God, I pray that for opportunities for us to be able to hear more of their story. God, give us the eyes to see the opportunities for us to listen more intently about who they are, where they've come from, what their background is, what what energizes them, where their pain is, God. A way for us to get to know them more deeply. Let that be true for everyone in this room for this name they have on their mind. And God, as, as we're listening to these stories, God, Give us opportunities. Again, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear these opportunities to be able to be a blessing in this person's life, showing them the love of Christ, maybe even before we even say the name of Jesus. Give us those opportunities, God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be good listeners for your leading as we look to engage this person you've put on our hearts. God, give us opportunities to, to speak into their life that shows the goodness of you, Lord, that shows the goodness of Jesus and what he's done. God, give us opportunities that, yes, through through deed and being able to show the love of Christ, but God, give us the opportunity and the boldness to explicitly share the gospel with this person. God, give us the opportunity to do that and show us in real time, now's the time. Don't be scared and let us know that you are with us in that, giving us the words to say even in that hour. And God, lastly, we help us to have eyes to see the leading of your, of your spirit, Lord, and give us the boldness, strip away the fear, the fear God, this, and whatever it might be holding us back to be obedient to the call that you are calling us to be as missionaries of your good gospel, Lord. Again, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be your ambassadors here on earth, showing people the goodness of Christ, God. Allow us to be just another person showing them the goodness of you, of what you've done for me, Lord. God, help us all in this room be fervent to pray for this person. And don't let this be the last time this person's name is impressed on all of our hearts, Lord. We love you. Again, thank you for being a part of this work. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul up now.
1: Well, good morning. So last night, uh, so this past week, I was in Washington, D.C., and we had, um, it was my birthday, and my uh, so my youngest son and I share a birthday. And uh, so we are like, we didn't get a chance to do like a big celebration, but we were like, what do we, we were gonna take Saturday and, uh, to celebrate. And I was like, what do you wanna do? And we went and we had some fun. And then uh, I don't remember what sparked it, but he he said, I wanna watch Top Gun. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Top Gun 2 Maverick was great. I was like, but I remember there was some cursing in that. And so like, maybe we should go back to the old, you know, like the eighties, it's gonna be better. So. Because uh, I haven't seen it in a while, you know, but uh, wouldn't recommend it for an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, just so you know, but we watched the whole thing. But they said to me, because I was so I was, a, I was a pilot in the Navy for 10 years, and uh, they said, they're asking me all these stories, and, you know, uh, they're like, how cool, is it really like that? I didn't fly jets, but I, you know, flew with guys and got intercepted by the Russians and things like that. And They're like, is it really like that? I'm like, yeah, kind of. Uh like, well, why'd you, like, don't you want to keep flying? And I was like... No, I would honestly, I'm in the dream job right now doing this. Um, And uh, they're like, yeah, your job is pretty cool. You get to go and talk to people about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, it is, son. But uh, I say that is I still, uh, you know, I haven't been here for all 14 years, but uh, I still feel like I am absolutely in the dream job. Uh, some people, you know, we joke around that pastors, we work one day a week. It's great. That's all we do. Uh, it's just it's just the the one day. And our boss, uh, he does all the work for us. Uh, so really, we just show up, you know, and we, uh, we do what he says, and then he does the work. What other job are you going to get to do that? It's pretty cool. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs uh, twenty-two, please. Uh, and more specifically, we can actually go to Psalm. Turn to Psalm five, three. I'll read Proverbs twenty-two, uh, and you can turn to Psalm five, three. So as I'm speaking today on just the the state, I was asked to give the the state of. Uh, students in 1825. I really think that when we look at this at Refuge, we're we're going for a holistic approach. What is what is the church? What do you what do you all think? What is the church? I heard family. I heard people. Yes, we believers are the church. We talk about that a lot here, and that is—I believe that wholeheartedly. That's what we see in Scripture. Um, and JP, I don't even know if he's—if he's out there. There he is. I'm actually going to speak to kids a little bit too, because I know that you won't get the chance to come up here. But uh, really, what I love about—we'll take students as a, as kind of the overarching—is I get to bring the Word every single week. Uh, but I walked in. Y'all have heard me say this. I've walked into a uh, the dream team of volunteers. I have other youth pastors, student pastors who uh, they're like, "Man, am I gonna? I have to struggle to get people here every week and uh, worry about you know planning center if they're going to accept. Uh, where, where are my my leaders that are here? Would you mind stand with me, my my student leaders?" I know, and so here's, I'm going to prove a point here. So these are the ones that are here. There's more that are actually back teaching kids. So actually, yeah, would you all give them a round of applause right now? So, y'all can sit down. So when I say that I've inherited the dream team, if you look at each one of these, they have told me uh, this is their ministry. Like they take ownership in their ministry. And so not only that, but they're back in kids' ministry. So from birth to 25 and we're kind of fudging that a little bit to like 27 might be we might you know, might turn into 1830 here soon but we have <laughs> but we have from birth to say yeah 30 uh we have your kids and we'll say to say to 18 as kids um, but if JP could get up here and talk as well what he would tell you is that every single thing in kids ministry is all based around the gospel uh it is all focused, like Blake said, on Jesus. And where this comes from, This, this it, like I said, holistically, not just uh, send your kids on Sunday mornings and get the gospel and then the rest of the week do, it, do what you want. Uh, this starts in the home and it ends in the home. Proverbs 22, uh, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now flip with me to Psalm 5.3. This is a good one for all of us. I mean, the whole Bible is good for all of us, but this one, that was speaking specifically to children, um, or for children. This one I read the other day, and I think this is a good one. If you are, just as a side note, if you are struggling to be disciplined in the Word, if you get up and the first thing you do is start scrolling your phone or you get distracted, this is a good verse for you. Uh, Verse 5. Psalm 5, verse 3 says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Two things here. We see discipline and we see watch. So as in kids ministry, in student ministry, in 1825, all of these things, this is what we are doing. We are teaching them to be disciplined and to watch. Just watch what God does. Uh, I heard something, uh, like I said, I was in D.C., and I heard this at a a, just in passing. Someone, I don't even know who they were, and they were quoting someone, and they said they didn't know who who said this, but I love it. It says uh, God bears the burden, or this is what at least I remember of it, God bears the burden of mission so we can participate in the blessing of mission. God bears the burden of mission so we can participate in the blessing of mission. So when when we come into, so God bearing the burden of mission, we get to participate in this, in this mission. And that starts from kids' ministry all the way up till 18, and then they have to go and make decisions for their own. Some of you are in that season right now where you're about to let go or have just let go of somebody. Um, but this is what it is. This is, it is. It is all preparing a sacrifice that is giving your first and best to God. And then watching. So now, how does this relate to to student ministry? How does this relate to kids' ministry? How does this relate to uh, 1825? We have seen uh, immense fruit from this. And it is not, again, nothing that we here at Refuge have done differently per se. Uh, Our aim is to make disciples. Our aim is to stay disciplined and stay faithful and just watch. Watch what God does. And we have seen, I, I think all of us elders can can testify to this. We have seen even the things like, yes, we see it sometimes Sunday mornings from up here, but just throughout the week what God uh, is doing in our church and through our church. But again, the church being the people, not the Sunday morning. So I wanted to take us through... Uh, a couple of y'all have, like, uh, when, I, when I talk about what we do at students, what we do at 1825, uh, I just wanted to kind of bring back the curtain because I know not all of y'all are students and not all of y'all are 18 to 25. So uh, here's what we do for students. Actually, first let me ask this. Does anybody here know uh, by heart, I'll be very impressed, uh, what we say a disciple is? Like, what do we call a disciple here at Refuge? Does anybody know? Uh, let's see. So many hands. Blake. Blake. Uh, Blake, go ahead. Just. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Give him a round of applause. I don't know if he actually had it. <laughs> yes. So a, uh, a a disciple, is someone through the, with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, chooses to increasingly submit all parts of their life to following Jesus. So that is what we are trying to do with kids ministry. That is what we're trying to do with uh, with students. That is what we're trying to do with eighteen twenty five. So with that in mind, we are not trying to just entertain. We're not trying to just uh, uh, you know fill some space while you know on a Wednesday. Uh, excuse me. On, yeah, on Wednesday night or on a Sunday while we're here. We are trying to get them to love Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to stay disciplined so that later they will not depart from it. So, here's what a Sunday night looks like. Hey, Bear. Hey. That's weak. I've got like three of y'all. It's good. So, Sunday night, we show up. Uh, we hang out for about an hour. That's, uh, yes, we have pizza. We have the glorious God's gift of Costco pizza every week. Uh, and all of my students said, hey. I heard some nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> And then also we have, uh, or oh, we have Kevin Pickering. Uh, he's, he's cooking cooking on the grill. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we, uh, we cook out, we hang out, and this is modeling. It is not just a time to come and, and just... You know, play games. Uh, it is, we do have games there and all that, but we are modeling what it looks like uh, on, a, on a small scale of what it will look like when they are a church member. They are gathering with believers. They are hanging out with believers. They're hanging out with non-believers. They're bringing friends in. Uh, they are eating together. They are, they're already seeing glimpses of what the rest of their life will be like if they are a Christian, uh, and it's fun, and it's good. Uh, But that's only a small part of it. So we move uh, from there. I have this really annoying blowhorn, or what is it? What do you call that? Megaphone. Megaphone that uh, everyone, all the students love it. They love it so much, especially when it's straight in their ear. Uh, And then uh, that's the signal to stop doing what you're doing. And you come in here. And when they walk in here, I don't know what you would really compare it to, but there's like soft music playing. And so they go from the craziness of, what would you say? ambiance, yes. So they go in from out there and they come in here and there's soft music playing and we do something we call RAMP and that stands for Read, Ask, Meditate, Pray. And this, if you can believe it, tons of high schoolers are sitting around and all of a sudden they're quiet. I know, they're quiet middle schoolers, quiet, and they spread out and they go in silence. And the reason we do that is so we model to them what does silence and solitude look like. So th- I wish. I mean, I need to post a picture, but they're all just spread out throughout here, just all solid, like in solitude, so away from their friends, in silence. And we ask them to read a scripture, ask the spirit what they uh, what what the spirit will pull out from the scripture, meditate on that. That just means to sit and ponder, and then pray. And it's just it's quiet. It changes the mood, and it brings them into just them and God. Um, And we've seen that move from there into the home as well. So they'll take that back and. parents will start doing that as well. Pretty cool. Then I give a short, uh, mediocre sermon uh, about a great God and a perfect God. And then we go and uh, we talk about that in, uh, we apply it to their lives. And we ask, they're not just like, how do you feel about this? There's some pretty hard-hitting questions that we ask them. So that's what a Sunday night looks like. And then we send them back to their parents. And here's what uh, I want to uh, ask you all to pray about is again just that it just like on a Sunday morning when we like Blake just said when we leave here what are we missionaries we ask we we pray that that the students don't just come here and are refreshed and then leave it here but that they come here and that they take it out so if you have something that you can pray about that would be or if i if i could ask you to pray about something that's what it would be is that they take this home we've already seen it this some of the fruit we've seen this move into Families, we've seen families come to know the Lord through students. How cool is that? That through a through a child, uh, parents have come to know the Lord. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and we just we're just asking God for more of that. Uh, some other and then of course baptisms. Uh, you know, I don't I've actually lost track of how many baptisms we have had, and that's a good thing. I don't really care about numbers. We're about to add one more uh, today, but that's the thing is is it's God is not we, he hasn't just Blanket saved you know, 50, 60, 70 people. God has saved one person 50, 60, 70 times over and over and over. And we see God continue to work. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Wednesday night, here's what 1825 looks like. So, pretty similar. Uh, so, where, where are my 1825ers? They're, they're small but mighty, uh, but they, they come in strong. We, uh, uh, we have glorious Domino's pizza. Uh, and some other foods. Uh, but they come and hang out, and then uh, we go pretty quickly into apologetics. And so uh, I will not put on the personality from the pulpit, uh, and all my 1825ers said. Amen. Uh, what I do is I go into character. Uh, we have a topic, and I go into character, and this character is a, uh, uh, it's a mix of a bunch of people I've known. So if it's uh, – what was the recent topic we did? What's, give, me, give me one. Pride. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Katie. Yes, Pride. Pride Month. So we talked about Pride Month. Uh, so I would put on a. Per- this is something that, uh, being from Seattle, I have known plenty of people, and I've, you know, there's the, uh, the parades and all that. And so I will put on a personality that uh, is combative to, uh, to you as a Christian here in the South, and I will bring up uh, some things that you'll face, some questions. And, uh, they're not like, I'm not just, you know, easy. It's, uh, uh, they're pretty, pretty hard hitting, pretty, um, uh, combative at times. Uh, what, uh, Dina Paul is one and Paula Dean are the, are my two uh, characters. I go back and forth, but, um, but here's what, here's the whole point of it is that it's really cool to see, uh, so they can bring in someone who doesn't know the Lord. And I've actually heard people who have come into 1825 and they're like, I actually identify with that person. Like, I, I I have those questions. And they'll be like, that person was my dad or that person was my friend. And so it gives them a chance, a safe environment to talk back and ask, que- ask questions, uh, share the gospel with this person, uh, this fake person, and then uh, sets them up. And then we end in uh, in ramp as well. So we read, ask, meditate, pray uh, through a scripture. So that's what uh, 1825 looks like. Uh, all of that, to say, again, we are just so thankful um, for who God is, for what He has done. Uh, we continue to see over and over God saving people, uh, people who right now, like we celebrate the baptisms. I also, and we also collectively celebrate those who He is still just working in. There's people right now that are in students that are in 1825 uh, that are questioning, and we love that. Uh, Because it means you've seen, I mean, how many times have we seen people who have come here for years and years and years and something clicks? And so that's another thing that we're just praying for, for, and I would ask for your prayers as well, um, that God just opens eyes more. Uh, I want to ask Larissa to come up really briefly uh, as well, just to share. So so, uh, Larissa and I, family, it's, you know, family ministry, um, she sees a lot more of the, the girls' side of things. Uh, and I just want to ask if you could share just anything that you've been seeing, like a trend that you've been seeing this past year from student ministry and from uh, 1825 from the girls' side.
2: Okay. He put me on the spot here, so let me think. Um, no, I mean, everything that you said is true. Um, but I also think that probably the only thing you maybe have left out is um, the last year, I think that, you know, we talk about two summers ago, very much a revival that happened in the student ministry. Um But the last year, I think, has been a year of sanctification for a lot of these kids and seeing where, specifically the girls, because that's who I deal with, seeing where they have started from when we started doing this two years ago to now and just maturity in the faith and perseverance in their faith um, and really going from, I know that Jesus saved me, but I don't know much about the Bible, or I know that Jesus saved me, but I don't know how to tell other people that. And um, just seeing how much they've grown in that area has been the biggest blessing for me. Um, We sit back a lot of times at home and talk about certain kids who I'm like, do you remember when we met them two years ago? And it's not the same person. Um, And again, that's not because of any genuinely anything we have done. Um, It's because of the Lord. Um, And really just watching and feeling like we're in the back seat watching him drive drive the car. We, that's the analogy we use a lot. Um, but and I just want to I guess say to piggyback off of you that. Um, it's a it's a lot to have you know sixty or seventy junior high and high schoolers that we feel somewhat responsible for, in their walk of faith. That's a lot of kids, um, and it would genuinely be impossible without the team that we have. And I don't say that as like a blanket statement. Um, and these people have helped us raise our kids. Um, they've helped us help your kids. They truly are our family. Um, We don't have... I don't have my family here. Thankfully, we have Paul's family here. Um, But they have become our family in the deepest sense. And so it's made it where it energizes us. And we are just feel like this, honestly, is the best thing we could be doing. So... um, and then just a huge shout out to all the parents. You know, these are the kids that you've raised. Like you're the one with that discipline at home. And we're just kind of getting to sweep in at the end and enjoy what the Lord has done through your faithful parent parenting with your kids. So, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: so she stole my last point again kind of bringing back to and we didn't plan that uh coming back to just parenting um parents uh again like i just said seeing people who have come to refuge for years and years and years and then all of a sudden the uh the spirit uh, opens eyes um it's a it's a joy to be able to uh to just come alongside y'all um and i also want to say to the parents here it uh, doesn't have to be with kids uh, but our next big focus is going to be on family uh, discipleship. So, uh, yes, your, send your kids to to us on Sunday nights. Yes, you know uh, we want to be. A, send them on Sunday mornings to kids. Uh, but if you have questions about what does discipleship look like in the home, and I don't care if it's uh, if you're have a grown kid that's living with you, or if it's uh, a young, young kid who's not in students, we want to come alongside you uh, as parents, and uh, and I'm figuring this out as myself, but I've also had other people who have poured into me, and so let's figure it out together. And again, just this holistic, this is the church, we are the church, and so uh, I would love to uh, to do that alongside of y'all. Uh, let me end in, in prayer, and then I'll hand it over to the uh, new and better Paul. Um, to uh, talk about our favorite topic. So, uh, Lord, we love you. Uh, We just, um, God, I just thank you so much for what you are doing here at the refuge, uh, in students, in kids' ministry in 1825. Um, Lord, we we only uh, exist another day because of you, and you choose to to allow us to do this, God. Um, Father, I thank you for this last year, Um, got all the lives that you have changed. Um, God, I thank you in advance for all the lives that you will change, um, the seeds that, that you've planted, Lord. God, continue to use us. God, I thank you um, for the, the strong team around me. Um, Lord, bless them, uh, encourage them, um, and just strengthen, strengthen them, Lord. God, as for the church as a whole, um, Lord, we, uh, we need you more than ever, Lord. Continue to humble us um, and then, God, just uh, we just love to sit and watch what you do. Um, God, we love you. We praise you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.
3: Thank you, sir. Man, it's so cool to hear what's going on in gospel communities and students and all of that. Um, but the fun's over. <laughs> Let's get real here. Hey, my name's Paul McDade. I'm one of the other Paul pastors here. Uh, I've, I've been in this role for, gosh, I guess, going on 10 years or so here, but Angie, my wife, Angie, and I were part of the launch team, so we've been here all 14 years, and it's been really cool to see what the Lord has done, uh, and so we're going to talk just a minute about finances, because that's what I know you all came for, yeah? I, I was thinking to myself, I think the best, uh, a better title would have been, like, uh, stewardship. Um, that would probably have been a better way to explain it, but I know finances is not necessarily a pastoral responsibility, I actually took over overseeing it before I became uh, an elder here. Um, and I think really God kind of placed me in this role for two reasons. The, The first one is because I have the spiritual gift of frugality. Um, the, uh, the wife standard virgin translation of that would be that I'm cheap. Um, if you use one of those Bibles, I don't know if you guys have one of those. Uh, and the other reason is because of my vocational training, kind of like what Paul said, I've got a really cool background you know, he was like a pilot. Um, I'm in finance. Um, And specifically, even more exciting, auditing and compliance. Um, So now you know I don't have any friends. Uh, But we have found that it's been helpful to have pastoral oversight and how uh, the church stewards uh, the resources uh, that we've been, that basically God's allowed us to steward. Uh, and to make sure that, that it aligns with our core values. And our core values being, if you've been in any of our Genesis or discovering our core values, are gospel, communion, mission. Uh, so I'm going to move through these kind of quick. I, I can see y'all nodding off already a little bit. But uh, gospel for us, as it relates to stewardship, uh, obviously the gospel is the proclamation of the good news. And so we want to ensure that there are as few barriers or no barriers to the gospel message as possible. Uh, and so that means for us paying for our highly skilled pastors so they can do this full-time. That's really important to us so they can commit. Uh, We're very fortunate to not just have one full-time pastor but to have three. Some churches can't afford one. So we're very, very fortunate in that regard. Um, We've gotta pay our bills so you can sit here uh, comfortably. Um, We are in that way also very fortunate. Right now, churches are meeting around the world who aren't sitting in air conditioning, who aren't sitting in nice, comfortable chairs like this. And so we don't take that lightly. Uh, but it it costs money to do that and we think uh, that it's worth that Um, so we we want to do that so we can steward our money well uh, even if it involves some of these comforts Uh, we pay for gospel-centered curriculum for our kids Uh, that costs money we steward you 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 who donate to us are help paying for our ministry for our kids Uh, and we take that very important too making sure our kids are fed constant constant gospel messages uh, through that curriculum as well. Um, And and look, I know churches can go overboard with how they spend money and how they um, maybe sometimes waste money. And so we pray regularly that we are stewarding uh, our resources well, uh, and that we are faithful stewards of what God's entrusted us with. Uh, Community, your donations help refuge, uh, build community in a lot of different ways. Uh, In our gospel community, like what Blake talked about, uh, through training and resources there, uh, but also in the communities around us. we regularly use our resources, like our building here, to support the Lakeland and Arlington communities, different events that we do here. Um, we support the schools in our community. Uh, we, little things like providing meals and breakfast for the teachers to supporting art and music and athletic programs. Um, that's a value for us. It's not necessarily a command, but we think that that's a tool uh, that we can use to, to be in the community so that the church can love people like we are commanded to do, to be the feet. And it gives us opportunities to have those gospel conversations. We've seen fruit there um, just from little things that we do investing in our community. And then the third one, uh, and really important as well, is mission. We use our resources to advance the gospel message, not just here in our communities, but around the world, literally around the world, through the support of, like, Larry McBee, who's at the Navajo reservation right now. Uh, We support his ministry out there. Uh, to church plants across the us uh, and literally around the world, if you 've been here the last couple months, you know that we 've supported a church planner in the Ukraine. actually, money that you gave helped him build a church uh, that they 're worshiping in right now he 's training people to help him, uh, and you guys you guys donated to that and you 're literally making a gospel impact around the world uh, and that 's really, really awesome i don 't want you to to miss how big of a deal that is. so let me just say thank you church. Uh, thank you for one, trusting us um, and trusting us with your resources. Uh, thank you for your generosity. It's really been unbelievable for the past 14 years to see what God's done. Uh, it's, it, we say it's been a loaves and fishes uh, moment for us, many of them, where we've just not seen how we're going to be able to do what we need to do with what we have, but yet God's continued to provide. Uh, even when we couldn't, I mean, we can see the bottom of the account, like we're right here at it, but God still provided uh, and gave us another week, another month. And here we are 14 years later, Uh, and the Spirit has still been faithful to sustain us. So continue to pray for us, church. Um, Continue to pray for your church. Continue to pray for your your leaders that we would be faithful stewards, that you would be a faithful steward of what you've been given and that we would as well as a church. Um, And we say this every week, um, but our generosity is our response to the immeasurable riches that we've been given in Christ Jesus. We don't give to get, but we give out a response of who we are, who God says we are in Christ Jesus. And it's that generosity uh, that helps us do what we need to do. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. If you have your Bible and you want to turn with me to, uh, this is Second Corinthians. Um, this is Second Corinthians chapter 9. Um, and I'm going to read this as a prayer. Uh, this is a, a common passage on giving, but starting in verse 6, and I'm going to read through verse 15, and I'll be done. flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. Finance has got an applause. All right, is that for me or you?
4: Oh,
3: that was definitely.
4: Paul told me um, last night when we were getting ready to put our slides and things together. Uh, he said, I only have two slides, you know, for this coming thing. And I was like, okay, as the finance guy, is that like debits and credits? Is that all you're going to put up there? (laughs) It's finance jokes. Hey, um, it is uh, it is good to be here. I, I'm, I'm My name is Scott Benjamin. For those of you who are new, I am the teaching pastor here, and it's been a, a glorious thing to be part of this church family for 14 years. Uh, it, it's incredible to see the way that, that the Lord has sustained us through these years, and uh, just thinking back again, I know we've mentioned it, but it's hard to get past it, just the number of people that have come to know Jesus, that we got to look back at pictures of people's baptisms, of them standing on the stage, just to know that they are eternally changed uh, and God used a bunch of ragtag people in the beginning like us at Refuge Church to proclaim the gospel, not to save them, but to proclaim the message of the gospel that Jesus rescues sinners has been just an absolute joy. Um, and so I would... Um Uh, Just say, uh, be encouraged by that church for sure. Uh, I am, I'm going to talk about the pulpit. Not necessarily about preaching or uh, specific things about preaching, but I guess it will be because uh, I want to, I just want to talk about the pulpit and how we guard the pulpit uh, stringently, It's very important to us uh, that people that stand here and proclaim the gospel and, and proclaim a message to you uh, every week uh, do so that meet biblical qualifications and follow the scriptures as they preach. Uh, you, you'll notice that we don't do a lot of topical preaching at Refuge, a, a very, very limited amount of topical preaching because we believe that, to, that, that the preaching should come straight from the text. You don't need necessarily need to know what I know or what I've kind of craftily come up with in my head. But we need to, you need someone to stand in the pulpit and preach straight from the Scriptures uh, because the, the Scriptures are the word breathed from uh, the, the absolute God of the universe. And so uh, we, uh, we guard the pulpit and the podium Uh, very cautiously uh, and very stringently. We also, uh, and and in that, we're guarding doctrine. We're guarding doctrine that you are learning and are hearing and are taking in each week. So it not only happens at the pulpit, it happens on the stage behind us with our band. Uh, It's important to us for the songs that we sing. I said it often that many times you're going to remember songs that we sing more than what's even preached from the pulpit. And so it's very important for us that we sing gospel-rich songs for And from artists and churches that preach the gospel themselves. You might notice that there's even been some songs that we've eliminated from our lineup that we've sung because they come from churches whose doctrine veers from the true gospel. And so we don't want to lead you astray by singing a song from a church that preaches uh, something that's not the true gospel. And so you may go, well, I really like that song. Trust me, there are some songs that I like that we don't sing anymore, and I'm really disappointed in that. Uh, But it's more important to me, and I hope it's more important to you, uh, that we, again, are pointing you in the direction of a a gospel-saturated people that even create this content. Uh, It's important to us that we say the name of Jesus from the pulpit. Um, I spoke yesterday at a, a men's breakfast uh, that uh, a guy is putting together, and and some preachers and pastors from around the uh, uh, from around the area have spoken at this breakfast. And uh, I, I told our elders, I said, I'm going to make the distinction between God and Jesus, God the Father and Jesus, because many times if we only say God, if I only say God, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. If I say God and you have a different perception of who God is, or you're your own God, or your God is is multiple things, or your God is the air or the sea or the, the sun the, the you know great ball A ball of fire in the sky, and I say, God. Well, you might think that I'm talking about that particular God, but I'm talking about the God who spoke the world into existence and holds it together by the power of His Word. And so, we use Jesus a lot from the pulpit. You'll hear that over and over from the people who stand here and proclaim the gospel. Uh, And so, it's imperative that whoever stands in this podium make it about Jesus. He's the hero. He's why we're here. He is the one who saves. He is the one who gave his life for us. He is the one who lived the sinless life that we could not live. He is the one who died the death we deserve to die. He is the one who was raised from the dead. Uh, He is the one who is alive forevermore interceding at the right hand of the father for you and me. And so this is all about him. This ministry is all about him. He is the king. He is the savior. He is the hero that we preach about at Refuge. Amen. Yeah, and so that's what we do. And, and so I pray that this will continue to be true um, in, in the years that lay ahead, that, that God may grant us the grace to not only uh, walk in this truth, but to stand firm in this truth in the years going forward. Uh, from Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read the first four verses. You can follow along if you want to. I'll have them on the screen, but this is what the text says. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at refuge and for all those who have seen me me who who have not seen me face to face? Refuge is actually not in the in the text. It says Laodicea, uh, but I just thought in at today this would be specific to refuge. It does say I uh, that uh, the struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, but I just want you to know specifically from us that. I want you to know how great a struggle and how much we struggle in the scriptures and how much we struggle together, and that means kind of fighting forward together, um, for you and those in this church family. And for all who have, who may not have even seen it, there are people that listen to us, probably listening to us right now uh, on, on uh, uh, all types of social media, that we pray for you regularly and we are for you and we're here so that you know Jesus more. Verse two uh, says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments And that's uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so our hope is that you're encouraged in Jesus from the pulpit each week, no matter what text we find or wherever we may be in the Scriptures, that you are encouraged in Jesus. Our hope is that the Holy Spirit grants us unity. There's been multiple times at Refuge where there's been a lot of just uh, disruption and a lot of uh, infighting in this church through 14 years, and by God's grace, Uh, He has not only brought new people to our church family, but he's also granted us some glorious subtractions. And uh, sometimes that's just good for a church family. Amen? Yeah. You can say amen to that. Uh, It is our hope that you grow in your assurance that Jesus loves you. That he loves you, he has given his life for you, and he loves you, and he cares for you. Uh, He is our king, he is the savior of the world, he is our hero. And I want that to just be something that echoes in your mind over and over again. It is our hope, just as Paul wrote to the Colossians, that you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, and what I think is more important, or one of the most important things from this text, um, especially in today's age, it was clearly in Paul's age, and it's clearly uh, true today, uh, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There's a lot of people in a lot of places, a lot of social media, a lot of venues that we have access to today that will teach you something different from the Word of God, that will tell you this is not where you should find your value, that will tell you this is not where you should find your truth. And I don't want you to be uh, fooled. I don't want you to be uh, drawn in a different direction. I don't want you to be uh, led down a wrong pathway uh, that teaches you something contrary to the Word of God. And so always check what you believe is true. Here's, Here's the deal when it comes to truth, specifically around things around the Scriptures. There's not my truth and your truth. Okay? Because if I have my truth and you have your truth, one of us can't be right. And so we always go back to the truth of the Word of God. We will test everything against the Scriptures. That is part of what the role of this pulpit stands for and the preaching ministry stands for. So, in the authority of the Word of God, uh, these are some areas that I want you to look, I want you to see today um, that we want you to know a refuge that we stand firm on, that we are uncompromising on, both in the past and for the hopes of our future. The first one is uh, the gospel. Romans 10, uh, chapter 9 and 10 says this very thing. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We preach the gospel every week at Refuge, okay? Why do we preach the gospel every week at Refuge? What do we said? What'd you say? Why do we, why do we preach it? Yeah, because we forget it, because the Monday slaps us in the face, and Wednesday punches us in the gut, and all the things that we have to deal with, week after week, all the temptations that we face, all the things that come our way, we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to be distracted. We have a tendency to go in a different direction, and so it, part of our gathering together and singing gospel-rich songs and opening the scriptures and preaching the gospel every week is because we, sometimes we forget the goodness of God. And so we want to remind you of that regularly, that God, Jesus rescues sinners, that Jesus came and lived the life you cannot live. He died the death you all, all of us deserve to die. He was raised from the dead, and he is ever interceding at the right hand of the Father on behalf of the saints. The gospel says that Jesus rescues sinners. There is hope found in Jesus Christ. There is eternal life found in Jesus Christ. There's new life found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so we will preach that regularly here at Refuge. Uh, Secondly, uh, the thing that we'll talk about is the sufficiency of scripture. I just spoke to that briefly, but the reality is we're going to preach straight from the word of God. We're going to preach straight from the text. We're going to read the text together. We're going to interpret the text together. What What did the writer mean to the The people in the day, and then how do we apply that to our mind and your lives today in in twenty twenty three. That's what good biblical expository preaching does for a church family. It's what we're going to continue to do from this pulpit at Refuge Church. You may go, doesn't that become boring preaching? You know, I mean, you're just preaching one verse after another, blah, blah, blah. You know, it doesn't that become pre- uh, boring? Well, I always say boring preaching is sinful. And so we don't have boring preachers that stand in this pulpit. We have people that literally stand and preach the word of God and make you laugh and make you cry, and make you do all kinds of things, make you participate, and, and it's to encourage you and engage you around the Scriptures. I'm thankful for the number of men that we have that, that can stand in this pulpit and, and uh, handle the Word of God rightly and priests that are gifted enough to preach uh, here. And we, we have multiple men uh, that do that, and I'm so thankful that you don't have to just listen to me every week. Amen, church? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's a harump. That's a Uh, Thirdly, uh, the roles of men and women. Um, um, Genesis, I mean, from the very beginning, the Scripture tells us that God made men and women differently. made us different. He created us different, and He made us different. He made us those ways for specific reasons. And the Scripture is very clear about why He made us us differently. Yes, we're, you know, some New Testament things. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We get into all those kind of things. But the truth is, we're just different people. And we have different roles that we play um, uh, in, in not only our, our church life, but in our marriages, in our, in our raising our families. We, we are created different for the good. You don't need to all be like me. Dudes, uh, dudes don't need to be like women. Women don't need to be like dudes, okay? And, and so he created us different for specific things, for his purposes, for him to use us to glorify himself. And so we, we, we see there are roles that are very different for men and women. One of the things that we do say at Refuge is that we're not going to uh, uh, call our women to be second class citizens at Refuge. One of the things, I'm sure that many of you women have been in churches before where you've said, you know what, y'all just be quiet and go take care of the kids. And that's not what we find in the scriptures. Yes, we do that in our homes. That, that it becomes a, a woman's nurturing capacity more than than it is a man specifically to nurture and to care for. We have different we have different strengths and things like that we do in our homes. But in our churches, we've all been given gifts, and we want you to use your gifts. Uh, that God has given you to edify this church family. God brought you here for a specific reason. We want you to use those gifts. We say at Refuge that men and women can do anything in this church, that women can do anything that men can do in this church with one exception, and that is to preach from the pulpit. We'll stand on that. We believe it's Scripture. We believe it's Scripture-based. We're happy to talk about that with you. But the role of men and women is very specific to us, and we want to make the distinction, not more than the Bible does, but the same distinctions that the Scripture does. We want to talk about biblical sexuality. Man, in 2023, that's a big deal. Sexuality is a big deal. Male, female, what's a boy, what's a girl, what's a male, what's a female? That is a, that is a big deal uh, in today's culture. Um, you know I there, there's one uh, there's one thing when it comes to biblical sexuality that I say many times I talk about the Genesis account of of um, uh, Adam and Eve and when they were uh, whenever God made Eve and and he brought her to Adam and he presented her to Adam and and you know the Adam goes into this poem that he that he says you now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and two shall become one and, and so he's all excited about seeing her and he read a few other verses and and the last verse that I typically read is it says that they were both it's I said, it's the the newlyweds favorite verse that they were both naked and not ashamed. And I'm like, that's, and everybody does exactly what you're doing uh, in a weddings. Whenever I say that they're like, that's funny, but I'm not laughing out loud. Um, uh, but God made men and women together to enjoy one another. Biblical sexuality is a good thing between married men and women. And, and, and so I just want to encourage you as husbands and wives to press into that, to enjoy that with one another. But that is reserved for men and women that are in marriage. If you're not married and you're sexually active, we would encourage you as a church from this pulpit in, front, in an individual conversations to forego that. To not jump into something that you'll regret for the rest of your life. You'll regret it as as a female. You'll regret it for the rest of your life. And as a male, you'll regret it as you get into relationships for the rest of your life to begin to engage in non-monogamous, non-married sexual relationships. You go, well, that's too late, preacher. I'm already in one. You know what? It's a good time to stop. Good time to go, man, I don't know how to stop. Man, ask us. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to our, wag our finger at you, but we're going to encourage you and help you to put those things to death in you and to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Um, and we just encourage you to ask for help if you need that. Uh, Jesus is very clear in biblical sexuality, again, that marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, and here's what we know, that what God creates, Satan always tries to pervert. He always tries to take it and do something with it and twist it into something else. We see that from the, from the garden account in Genesis chapter 3. He'll question right away, did God really say that? Do you think God really wants to deprive you of that sexual uh, activity with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Do you think God wants you to, to, uh, to uh, uh, live in that uh, husband-wife relationship in the way the Bible describes? Isn't that putting you down, wife? Don't you, shouldn't you rise up and, and, and you assert your authority within your own home? I'm telling you, we have an enemy that wants to pervert what the scriptures teach. We, I'll tell you, from this pulpit, will always preach straight from the scriptures. It may make you mad, and we'll just tell you to get glad in the same britches you got mad in. This is not what we say, but we're just telling you what the scriptures say. Amen? Okay. That was half-hearted, but I'll give it to you. There, Thank you. Next, the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? Here's the deal. Holy Spirit's the one that does the work. I can't talk you into anything. I can't talk you out of anything. The Holy Spirit is the one who is at work in and among us. He is the one who is at work in and among us to change us, to awaken us to the gospel, to convict us of our sin, of righteousness and judgment. I can say anything I want to. I can, I can, I can uh, bloviate up here all that I want to, but the reality is none of you will hear it. None of you will choose to change. None of you will choose to do anything different until the Holy Spirit does something in your own heart. And so we pray regularly. I pray regularly as I'm coming to preach that the Holy Spirit will take the words that God has given me to stand and preach and say, and he will apply it to your life specifically and to how he wants you to apply it into your life. So nothing happens unless the Holy Spirit uh, is at work. Jesus said, I mean, you would think that it would be cool for Jesus to just have stayed here, but Jesus said, it's better that I go away and I'm going to send the helper to be with you. And so when Jesus went away, uh, we read about this in the beginning of Acts, whenever we started preaching through our Acts series, that the Holy Spirit... Uh, came down, and, and he rested on people, and he gave people power, and he filled people with the Holy with, with the holy Spirit. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you and guides you into all truth. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is, he is the active person of the triune Godhead today, and we would just encourage you uh, to, to not let the Holy Spirit be that weird cousin you don't ever talk about, Uh, because I know that happens a lot of time. I grew up in a Southern Baptist and we talked about God, the father, God, the son and the Holy scriptures. We very rarely talked about the Holy spirit. Uh, but I just want to encourage you to understand that the Holy spirit is active and alive and he is at work in and through you and the church today. Uh, we're going to have to get on through these a little bit quickly. Uh, next is church discipline. You're like, Ooh, Is that something we hold to? Absolutely, 100%. Church discipline is critical in the church because it helps us work through the angst and the difficulties and the problems that we encounter with one another. And the and church discipline uh, uh, in Matthew's gospel, uh, they talk about how you work through church discipline and how you work with one another and how that how that church discipline goes with one-on-one towards one another. And if there's not reconciliation, that you bring a couple more people from the church to help you work through those things. And then if that doesn't kind of resolve the thing, you bring the pastors in to help you work through those things. And if that still doesn't um, uh, come to bear uh, where there's a reconciliation, you bring the entire church in to, to say, to bring some, and bear witness, and to, to encourage that, uh, that uh, disagreement to end. And then it says, if even after all those things, that someone is still unwilling to be repentant, or to turn from their sin, then we treat them like an unbeliever. Because if we're unwilling to forgive, we're unwilling to move past some type of hurt, it says, it, it's hard to believe that the Spirit of God actually lives within someone at that point. And so church discipline is given to us in the scriptures, and we don't do it as punitive. We're not looking to punish people. We're not looking to try to expose people. We're just trying to say, hey, how do we love one another well that we can squash these things that come between us? Uh, Next is the need for evangelism. We want to see more people come to know and worship Jesus. Uh, we've talked about that just a little bit. Some of our pastors have talked about that a little bit already. Um, there, there's always an example to say, man, if you had the cure for a deadly disease, how hateful would you have to be for you not to give that cure to people that have that disease? That would be hateful, right? Would you agree with that? Shake your heads. Yes. That would be hateful for you to have to do something like that and withhold that from somebody. Um, I always said there's a, a pen from Penn & Teller said that too. If we have the message that says that if, if someone doesn't repent of their sins and believe the gospel and trust Jesus, that if we know that to be true and we believe that to be true, how, how much do we have to hate somebody not to tell them about the good news of the gospel? If we know that they die without Jesus and they spend an eternity facing the active wrath of God for all of eternity, how much do we have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus? I'm not asking you to save anybody because none of us are good enough to do that. But we are to asking you to point them to the one that can rescue them from their sin. You can't save them. Our calling is to just tell them the good news. Pray that the Holy Spirit will awaken them to the gospel. You keep piling kindling around them and pray that the Holy Spirit will light their fire. Amen? Uh, a couple other things. The ordinances of the church, baptism and um, the Lord's Supper. One, we practice uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, every week at Refuge because we uh, we say that we forget the good news of the gospel, and so we hear it every week, and we take a tangible thing that Jesus left with his disciples every week, and we observe communion together. It's a taste, it's to see, and remember that it cost Jesus his blood, it cost Jesus his bodily sacrifice on a cross to forgive us of our sins, and we practice that regularly at Refuge. We would encourage you to, to participate in that, and not to do it in just some rote motion where you're just going through the motions, but to say this is something that is a tangible expression of remembering Jesus literally hanging on a cross, his blood literally spilling out of him, and that his blood to literally is the one that covers our sin debt. So we practice that, and then baptism. Uh, we believe baptism should follow your conversion. If you are part of refuge we would say, hey man, we want you after you've become a Christian to publicly declare that. And that's what we're going to do in just a moment. is to publicly declare Addie's following Jesus and she's going to be baptized. She's going to go under the water which signifies her dying to her old self. She'll be raised up out of the water to isi- signify that she is a new creation in Christ Jesus. We would encourage you to do the same thing. If you Maybe your baptism was before you actually became a Christian. Maybe you were baptized in an infant in some uh, uh, other denomination that you had uh, grown up in. And your family was a part of. We would encourage you to have your baptism follow uh, your uh, conversion for sure. Um, and then, lastly, the priority of discipleship. Uh, we we uh, Blake's already talked about that a little bit. How we do that in gospel community groups, um, but there are things that that I just want to encourage you in church. We give our time to lots of things. You give your time to lots of things. Let me just, let me make it a little more personal. You give your time to lots of things. And you give your time to what becomes a priority in your life. All of us do. Whatever, we all only have 24 hours in a day, we all only have seven days a week. And so you and I give our time to what becomes a priority in our life. And discipleship, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, has to be, nope, we can make it where we want it to be, should actually be one of those higher priorities in our life to go, what does it mean to follow Jesus? How am I conformed to the image of Jesus more and more every day? That becomes a process of discipleship. That happened with Jesus' own disciples. He spent three years with them, daily with them, teaching them, showing them, displaying for them, encouraging them to go and do the same thing. And we try to follow that same pattern here at Refuge. and would encourage you uh, to do that, uh, that very same thing as well, to be part of a discipleship program, a discipleship group, whatever you've got to figure out. If you don't know how, we'll help you figure it out. But how do I become more and more like Jesus? Here's what we know. Whenever we talk about Jesus, there's one Lord, there's one Savior, there's one cross, there's one way, there's one salvation. It's all about Jesus for us in this pulpit. If you're going to, if you're going to stand here and proclaim, you're going to open the Scriptures, we want you to declare Jesus over and over again. He is the lover of our soul. It says, this has been our message at Refuge from day 1 to day 5,110. That's 14 years, in case you're wondering. Uh, 5,110 days of this being our message is that Jesus rescues sinners. There is salvation found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven and earth. No other name given under heaven and earth, whereby we must be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for with a heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Jesus is our hero. Jesus saves sinners. Jesus is our only hope in life and death. We would bid you today, if you haven't already, to come follow Jesus. Let's pray.